Welcome back, Heem Team. Um, we, Benji and I actually just got done with talking with Dr. Arnold and we are extremely excited that we talked about so many different things related to thrombocytopenia. Um, and it was a great episode, great conversation, lots of different things that we walked through. And um, we feel like it would be really helpful for all of you guys to actually have this bonus episode to kind of uh, talk a little more in detail about what things should you be thinking about under the different you know, terminologies and categories that we discussed in the prior episode. Um, so like Dr. Arnold mentioned, there are three broad categories where thrombocytopenia could fit in with underproduction, destruction, and sequestration. So uh, Benji is going to help us walk through exactly what in underproduction, exactly what in destruction, and what in sequestra uh, sequestration. And then if any of you are taking notes, we think this would be very helpful to to never forget exactly what you're going to ask in, in all of these categories. Exactly. We're going to hit you with some cold, hard facts in this episode. But what I'd really encourage you guys to do is take this information that we're about to share with you and maybe even consider going back to that episode with Dr. Arnold um, to uh, take this information and put it in a little bit more context so that it sticks a little bit better. So let's talk about underproduction of platelets. Um, first of all, um, there are some clues that you may be able to get that you're dealing with um, a disorder of underproduction in the bone marrow at the level of the megakaryocyte and, and possibly, other, other cell, possibly other cell lines too. Um, and so one clue that you could think about is looking at the other cell lines uh, like Dr. Arnold alluded to as this might hint towards a primary bone marrow disorder uh, or a secondary bone marrow disorder. Uh, one clue that you can use would be the reticulocyte count. If you get a re corrected reticulocyte count um, and you have uh, low hemoglobin to start with and you're not seeing that your bone marrow is churning out a lot of red blood cells, this may be a clue that it's not churning out a lot of platelets as well. Um, and so that's one clue that you might kind of be in this underproduction category. Now, what exactly is in this category in terms of diagnoses and differentials? So the most common cause of thrombocytopenia, not only in the underproduction category, but uh, most common diagnosis for thrombocytopenia overall ends up being drug-induced. So there are uh, a lot of different drugs that can cause thrombocytopenia. It, that's for the timeline of drug-induced thrombocytopenia, you'll usually see it about three weeks or 21 days after initial exposure, and it usually takes about a week or so, seven to 10 days after withdrawing the offending medication to recover your counts. So in terms of history, what you might get is maybe someone who had a recent infection like a pneumonia or a UTI, um, got an antibiotic, and then Maybe on their repeat lab work at their primary care doctor's office, you see that their platelet count dropped a little bit low. And on repeat after the antibiotic has been finished, maybe their platelet count comes back up. So let's talk a little bit about which meds specifically. And I think it makes sense if you think about all of the anti-meds. Anti so those would be anti antibiotics, um, anti-neoplastics, so chemotherapy, uh, antacids, um, anti-hypertensives, anti-arrhythmics, anti-inflammatory drugs, um, anti-epileptics, and anti-psychotics. So those would be 
some of some of the drugs and 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 one potential way to keep them straight. Now, in terms of which meds specifically are in these categories, so for antibiotics, Bactrim is a big offender. Um, so are vancomycin and Zosin, which a lot of our inpatients will end up getting. Penicillins as well, such as ampicillin, ciprofloxacin, and ceftriaxone. So that is uh, a lot of our patients who end up going on antibiotics mm-hmm. uh, will have one risk factor for developing thrombocytopenia. Um, Lots of uh, chemotherapeutic agents and even immunotherapy too uh, can lead to thrombocytopenia. Uh, Antacids we talked about. So if your patients have GERD and they're on proton pump inhibitors or even H2 blockers like ranitidine or Zantac, um, that can be associated. We talked about antihypertensives. Amlodipine is associated with uh, thrombocytopenia as is amiodarone uh, for an antiarrhythmic anti-inflammatory, so NSAIDs, which are obviously very common as well, and even Tylenol can be associated. And then anti-epileptics and antipsychotics like phenytoin, carbamazepine, even lorazepam, diazepam, so benzos, um, and Haldol as well can be associated. So that is, we, we spent so much time on that because it's the most common. Um, so I think it deserves some time, but uh, we'll talk about some other causes of thrombocytopenia in the underproduction category. So we talked a little bit about congenital thrombocytopenias with Dr. Arnold. So uh, important to assess the family history and if other uh, family members for your patient have low platelet counts. It's, believe it or not, it is actually pretty common to diagnose congenital thrombocytopenias in adulthood, more common than you might think. Um, So other things that can cause underproduction-related thrombocytopenias, infections uh, would be the most common non-iatrogenic cause. Um, So we talked about viruses like early HIV, hepatitis C, um, and also EBV and CMV, uh, which can cause infectious mononucleosis. If you are in an endemic area, then tick-borne illnesses can be associated with low platelet counts as well. And H. pylori can also be associated with uh, secondary ITP. And um, we should mention too that sepsis um, can be such an acute stressor to the body that it can lead to um, underproduction in your entire bone marrow and for platelets specifically. Nutritional deficiencies such as B12 and folate deficiency and even more rarely copper deficiency can be associated with underproduction. And uh, alcohol as well can cause myelosuppression. So uh, very important to suss out your social histories for your patients. Um, If you uh, think that your patient might have a chance of being pregnant, this opens up the differential too, as you can have gestational thrombocytopenia, which particularly can manifest in the late second or third trimesters. Um, And also... We talked a little bit about uh, primary bone marrow disorders like uh, hematologic malignancies or uh, primary bone marrow underproductive disorders such as myelodysplastic syndrome, uh, aplastic anemia would fit in this category as well, and then the acute leukemias and other uh, disorders such as uh, myeloma can cause uh, underproduction. And then um, autoimmune disease as well uh, doesn't necessarily have to cause immune destruction. You can have uh, disorders like lupus or SLE that can cause underproduction. Um, and uh, 
obviously we talked about immune thrombocytopenias, like immune destruction as being a big cause, but uh, keeping in mind too that autoimmune disorders like SLE can cause underproduction. Um, so that is a whirlwind tour of um, underproduction. <laughs> so let's move on now and talk about what's in the destruction or sequestration category. Um, so splenomegaly, um, which can often be seen in portal hypertensive disorders like cirrhosis, can cause uh, sequestration of platelets. Um, we had mentioned in our first episode that uh, 33% or a third of your platelet volume is usually sequestered in your spleen. Obviously, if your spleen is bigger, it's going to harbor more of your platelets. So um, we are fans of ultrasound here. This is where point of care ultrasound might be useful if you uh, are able to um, assess the size of a patient's spleen and you think it's uh, big, then this may give you a clue that there may be an element of sequestration causing thrombocytopenia in your patient. Um, and then in terms of destruction, uh, big, big, big category is autoimmune destruction of platelets. So uh, we talked with Dr. Arnold, who's one of the world leaders in immune thrombocytopenia disorders. Uh, and how there can be primary and secondary ITP. Um, there's also an entity called post-transfusion purpura, which we wanted to put on your radar as well. And the classic setup for this will be a woman who has had multiple children in pregnancies, who has a history of multiple platelet and or FFP transfusions. And then also keeping in mind that... Um, certain things can cause mechanical destruction of platelets as well, such as prosthetic heart valves, if you're on mechanical circulatory support, and even cardiopulmonary bypass can all be risk factors for mechanical destruction of platelets. Um, and so uh, in the category of loss of platelets, we can think about pl uh, processes that consume your platelets. Um, basically your platelets are being used up and what would be some examples of, of diseases where your platelets are being used up? Uh, you can think about things where your uh, platelets are basically um, aggregating pathologically like disseminated intravascular coagulation or DIC. Um, so your platelets are essentially being used up here and that's why your peripheral platelet counts are low. Um, same thing is true in uh, TTP and HUS. Um, and in uh, HELP as well, you can have uh, loss of platelets. Heparin-induced thrombocytopenia is a condition where your platelets are paradoxically prothrombotic, and so you're having, evident, you're having clotting, and that's what's leading to your thrombocytopenia. Clots as well, if you have a a DVT, a very large DVT or venous thromboembolism that are consuming your platelets, you can have low platelet counts as a result. Um, and uh, also in the loss category, if you have massive bleeding, um, remembering that you're not just losing red blood cells, but you're also losing other components of your blood, um, such as clotting factors and platelets, which is why patients who come in uh, needing massive transfusion protocol get not only red blood cells transfused, but also uh, what they're losing in terms of clotting factors, they get FFP and they get platelets back as well. So this was kind of a whirlwind <laughs> tour of everything that can cause thrombocytopenia. And there's probably things that we missed as well, but we just wanted to put these things on your radar um, so that you can at least 
have a list of things that cause thrombocytopenia. Yeah, Benji, Dr. Arnold's gonna be so proud of us for like putting it all down together. Like clearly we read his up-to-date section really well. <laughs> Put it all here. Uh, but for the sake of the audience, I know it was a lot. Uh, Benji, great job on dividing it into the three categories and walking us through all of that. I love the way how you talked about the antis in the under, under production category. I think that should really stick with all of us. Um, I love the fact that you talked about that heparin-induced thrombocytopenia is more under the loss category and hence distinguished from all the other mechanisms by which medications cause thrombocytopenia. So broadly, uh, underproduction or destruction, sequestration, and loss, three categories. And um, in the underproduction, whether it's congenital, whether it's medication-induced, or if it's due to infections or nutritional deficiencies or malignancies or autoimmune conditions or multifactorial, I think those are very important things to think about under under underproduction and then under sequestration, splenomegaly, cirrhosis, um, under destruction, autoimmune destruction, mechanical destruction, and consumptive processes um, are all important things to keep in the back of our minds so thank you so much for walking us through this and uh, i hope it's helpful to all of our listeners who uh you know who are a you know trying to get both facts and structure right as all medicine practicing people across the world uh, we have to sort of split our brains into two parts almost one that does all the reasoning and the logical approach and the other part that facilitates it with the information so i think breaking it down helps both those parts of the brain to get more knowledge uh, our first episode with dr arnold helped us to understand what that framework was and this bonus episode is feeding into that episode uh, to actually supplement what exact specifics you need to be asking uh, and looking out for. So that was extremely helpful. And um, until next time, Heme team, uh, thank you so much for listening to us. We hope this was helpful and, and we hope that you have a great day or night wherever you are and stay safe out there, okay? And, and, and yes, a huge shout out to Benji for recording these episodes right after a night shift. And he's going back into another night shift today. And it's 11 a.m. right now. So I did not let him sleep today. So <laughs> thank you so much, Benji. I truly appreciate you staying up and talking to us all. All right. Anything for you guys. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Have a, have a great day, people. Bye-bye.